Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. There's a lot of bad news to talk about with Arizona basketball. Before we do that, though, let's talk about some good news regarding Arizona basketball, or at least it's Arizona basketball adjacent, right? Right. Like, <laughs> we do this thing every year. Wildcat Radio 2.0 does this every year, a Pac-12 tournament bracket contest. Basically, if you want to be entered into this, it's Pac-12 tournament bingo. If you want to be entered into it, the brackets will be sent out this Sunday, but you have to do a few things to get one. Brett, do you know what to do to get one? I don't. Tell me more. How do you not know you're part Actually, of Wildcat Radio? No, I do. Yeah, you should. You retweet one of the podcasts. <laughs> yeah, retweet a pod- <laughs> one of the podcasts this week. We're gonna have five of them total on the network. Saul Bookman had his that published earlier. We're recording on Monday. He has posted earlier today. Very good oh, podcast. Oh, I loved his podcast with Corey Williams. Yeah, it was great. Straight fire. I loved it. Yeah. So if you retweet his podcast, retweet our podcast, retweet any of the Wildcat Radio 2.0 podcasts this week, you'll get a bracket sheet. You'll be entered in for a bracket. Um, if one of our, you know, one of our members of the podcast team was it, if you, me, or any of us win it, because we have to re- retweet the podcast too. But if we win, then we get the shirt. Sweet. But if you win out there, dear listener, you get a Wildcat shirt provided by Wildcat Radio 2.0. So retweet the podcast. You'll get a bracket sent to you. Fill out the bracket. Take a picture and send it to at Wildcat Radio AZ or email it to Wildcat Radio AZ at gmail.com. And the scoring rules will be on the bracket for you. So... Pretty easy. Just retweet the podcast. Keep retweeting the podcast. We like that. Yeah. Things we don't like, Brett, is when Arizona loses. <laughs> and uh, they've lost quite a bit more this year than I think anyone anticipated. We could talk about the Washington State game on Thursday. Arizona was not good for the first half, was absolutely dominant in the second half, Won 83-62. Great. The game that everyone wants to talk about that we need to spend more time on is the Washington one. Yeah. It was Saturday, and Arizona, for whatever reason, has struggled on Saturdays this season. But we knew Washington, they were coming off a win over ASU. They got a couple of first-round picks in their lineup. They're not, they were last in the Pac-12, but why the hell are they last in the Pac-12? I don't know. Arizona did not look good in the first half. We're just getting abused. Came back and made a game in the second half, but couldn't close a deal. Dylan Smith was great. No one else was even really good for Arizona. 69-63, the final, and the Wildcats lose their home finale for the second year in a row. I guess maybe it's a good thing they're doing senior day before the games now because if this is going to be the new tradition, it would be really, really awkward. Senior day game when, uh, was it half of our seniors were not playing for <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. reasons? That's weird. It's a weird uh, vibe around the program, and we can I'm sure we'll get into that too before we do some more Wildcat hoops talk, but yeah. like that game, we saw everything with Arizona this season where they looked absolutely dreadful, and then we've seen them look absolutely dominant. The problem was, as has been the case too often this season, they didn't have enough dominant to make up for the dreadful, and they lost. Yeah, and if you would have told me that Dylan Smith was going to hit six threes and a half against the last place team, you'd say there's no way in hell we lose that game at home, right? Right. And yet here we are. Well, any game. 
Well, he yeah. six threes <laughs> in the second and a half against any team. Doesn't care if they're I mean, last if place or otherwise. If he hits six threes against Gonzaga or Baylor, we win those games. Yeah, <laughs> like, you think. You know, and I think, to, to your point, like we, we talked about it months ago, like, we all knew Washington had more talent than their record was showing. Um, so does Arizona. Sure. In theory. I, I mean, I think part of it is just that the Pac-12 is one giant middling conference right now. Uh, and the margin for error for everybody, where you've got a bunch of one and duns and young guys that are figuring are figuring it out, or in various stages of figuring it out, or in some cases not figuring it out, it just results in you know difficult to predict situations. And the scary thing is for Arizona, where we just faced Washington when they seem to be figuring it out, even without their point guard Green. And now if they have figured it out, we get to face them in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament. And my uh, my hot take of last week was like, you know, there's only there was only downside to this this week's games. Like it didn't really impact that much, except for I thought it could, you know, rile up the fan base and significantly impact Sean Miller's future if you lose one of these at home. Mm-hmm. And my and the thing that could really happen in my mind is that it starts the wheels falling off process. And now if they lose again on Wednesday to Washington, it's like. Y- you know, suddenly they're a bubble team. Maybe I don't. I don't <laughs> think they're a bubble team, even with a loss to Washington in the first round. You don't usually go from like a seven seed to first four in or last four in, first four out. I don't think that's the issue. But for this team, like you talked about, a middling conference, and it is. And Arizona finished fifth in that conference. This was a team that was off and on in the top twenty-five. I forget how high they got to this season when they were about nine and zero and things were looking good. And I know like we talked about yeah and. We've talked about how talented they are, and yet they finish behind Oregon, behind USC, behind ASU, behind Colorado. (laughs) And that's what happens when you lose twice to Oregon games that you should have won. When you lose to ASU a game that you blew. When you lose just a a weird one at Oregon State, games that you should win, you have a chance to where by the time they played Washington, their seeding was determined. They were the five seed in the Pac-12 tournament. So they really – the only thing they had to play for was pride – and maybe what we're seeing from this team is they don't have any. <laughs> like this is the thing. I mean, again, like Washington played well. They have good players. They're not your normal last place team. But this is senior day. Maybe you talked about how weird it was with the seniors. How a couple are, are walk on type guys. Two were suspended, or one was suspended. The other is just out for personal reasons. Like it's a weird vibe around them. But is it an effort thing? Because we've talked about that often on this show. Like maybe the effort wasn't there. The dedication, the desire wasn't there. And Dylan Smith, you can't question him at all. No. Broke his nose and still played great. Everyone else on the team, Zeke Naji had a bad game. I don't think it was because of effort. He just had a bad game. But just this team doesn't have that it, that thing you need to say, we're not losing this basketball game at home. And it doesn't make any sense to always be like, oh, well, you know, if they only had a T.J. McConnell years or when they had this player or that player. Like, they don't. Those guys are gone. These guys are here, and they haven't shown us that that whatever it is that makes you a good basketball team. Yeah, I'm curious to see, you know, <laughs> whenever the season ends for this year's basketball team, for, for the Arizona Wildcats, I'm curious to see, you know, you tend to find out more after the fact. Yeah. Because um, if you kind of start, you, it doesn't take a lot of, uh, you know, reading between the lines of creativity to see that maybe that there's just some type of disconnect there. And I don't know if it's Miller losing the team or if it's just the product of what seven or eight guys that are in their first year with playing basketball with the program. Uh, most of them having not played together before or whether it's got too many guys with, you know, an eye towards the uh, NBA draft door uh, or all of the above. You know, it's it's kind of hard to tell right now. 
uh, from just a s straight fan's perspective, the thing that concerns me is, and I've said it for a few months, I feel like this a lot of the guys, especially the young guys, just seem to think that you can eventually just go flip the light switch on. And I don't think that the pros can maybe do that. These guys aren't pros yet, and they're still young and kind of immature. And it's you know it's that mind you can't turn that I mindset on. I don't even buy the <laughs> this team. That's that's what I've cited a lot over the last few weeks on this show because <laughs> that's how this team is. It's it's somewhat exhausting because like even within the Washington game, we saw the two facedness of this team. They can look really bad and really good. So when you see the really good, and you're like, why can't you do that all the time? Then you see the really bad, and you're like, the hell's wrong with you? And we could talk about this team. We Early on, the excuses were maybe they were young. All these guys are in their first year with the program, first year into Miller. They had to learn to play at this level. Well, how many games do they play now? That, that's not an excuse. There are plenty of other freshmen. There are plenty of other first-year guys who are playing good basketball, playing hard. And it's easy to say maybe the team has quit on Miller or quit on the game, but they came back in the second half. <laughs> like, if you quit when you're down, was it 17, 15, 17 in the first half? You rolled over, and that's it. This team didn't do that. They have come back in these games. They've fought to the end, just not had enough to overcome their poor play. So to your to your question, like, is it coaching that they just – he's lost the team? Is it youth? Is it just – it's so many things, but I don't know if we can pinpoint what the main one is. Just whatever it is, it's added up to a team that – this wasn't a closing issue, but they still have those. This was a just – they got bullied. They missed shots. Like, they missed a lot of open shots in the first half. And imagine that when they started making those shots in the second half, they came back. But this team has had too many of those poor shooting halves, poor shooting games, to where it's not it's not the anomaly anymore. It's and it's not maybe the norm. They're not always going to shoot twenty five percent for a half, but they've done that more than a team really should. Yeah, I think you know to paraphrase Denny Green, <laughs> they are who we thought they were. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what is even that? I I think I think the thing is it's n it's not as simple. Most of the time, it's never as simple as one thing, right? It's a combination of all those issues. It's a combination of maybe coaching or Miller's kind of not having the, the full attention of his team. I think it's the youth. I think it's the assembled roster. I think it's Nico Mannion not taking enough leadership as a to be as fair. A point guard. Everything you just said, the assembled roster, youth, and all that. That goes back to the head coach. Sure. Who well, he's assembled this roster and then assembled this roster with the idea of coaching this roster. Yeah. And I don't have any problem with holding Sean Miller fully accountable for that. And, I mean, I think even if you see what he's saying in the press conferences, I think he holds himself accountable. Yeah. Um, I wonder in what way. Is it he doesn't think he coached them right? He doesn't think he evaluated this talent right? Because these were good kids. These yeah. Like, what type of players are we expecting Sean Miller to recruit again? Because he got his five-star point guard. <laughs> Zeke Naji just won Pac-12 freshman of the year. He's been really good. Josh Green's been solid, but it, but his his five star point guard is jacking shots right, all the has time. Has not played like a five star point guard. And I well, part of me wonders, and I've mused aloud, if Sean Miller is both a great recruiter of five star talent and a great coacher of four star talent, and he struggles to coach the five star talent, right? I mean, say like, that Stanley Johnson was good, Aaron Gordon was good. I forget if Rondé was a four or five star, but he was good. Yeah, but Ron. Difference between like Hollis Jefferson, he was a guy that wasn't looking to necessarily be like, oh, okay. "Hey, coach, I like his dad wasn't in the stand saying he needs 15 shots a but game to show different off." Personalities, different styles, sure. But the idea that Sean Miller can't coach five stars, he's done it well before. Yeah, I think like, it's the right mix of players, and they don't have it this year. So yeah, something like like we've been saying all season, it seems like something's just qu not quite aligned. And then for brief fleeting moments, you know, the second half of the Washington State game, 
they suddenly look like, oh, it's all together. Yeah, uh, but the defense was great. Offense was clicking. I mean, they were making uh, shots. But the funny thing is, you know, the first five minutes of the Washington State game, they looked great. And then for the, the last 15 minutes of the first half, it became a disaster, and they were down. And then the second half, they come out and are great again. And it, the funny thing is, it seems like there's a pattern of starting halves that are actually very good. Which would be a sign of coaching. Yeah, and that's – so, like, it's and it, they seem to be following a game plan. They seem to be doing things that we as fans think a coach should be doing. And then, you know, it's what we talked about last week where they get kind of pushed off and pushed off their spot a little bit, and they just can't quite get back there until it's too late. Um, you know, your answer's as good as mine. <laughs> Dylan Smith, you know, he should have he should have got more shots in the second half of that Washington game. Props to props to that man for with a busted nose that was bleeding, hit, you know, hitting shots and playing D. Uh, I mean, you say Zeke Naji played badly, but he had twelve points, eleven rebounds. Yeah, but how many ball? How many passes went right through sure. his hands that were dunk slips? He airballed like a five footer. And when I when I say Zeke Naji had a bad game, that doesn't mean like his bad game is different than someone else's bad game. Zeke Naji's bad game is like. Yeah, he still had a double-double. But he should have not shot, what, four of ten? And there were three. He was credited for three turnovers. I don't know if, like, when Josh Green had the behind-the-back wraparound. Oh, that was a great was, pass. But if that's a turnover on Green or on Zeke, I don't know who that gets counted against. But Zeke contributed to probably five or six turnovers. Sure. That at least two or three of them would have been dunks or easy buckets. Sure. and it <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm yeah. not trying to, and even, you know. Even in the, the, the two games, Washington State would, you know, I would always do the joke and I think I texted you where it's like good but Deadpool bad Deadpool with yeah. Nico it was back it was good Deadpool in the Washington State game for Nico and then it was bad Deadpool in the Washington game and I think he played all 40 minutes and it's like he did go look at Jamal Baker's stat line for uh, 17 minutes and you see why he didn't come out of the game because you know Jamal Baker the hero of the Washington game the first time around was basically useless and it, it makes no it doesn't mean anything to say this but they could use Brandon Williams on this team yeah, like but this team, how it was originally constructed, was to have a guy like Brandon Williams, just that other option. They haven't had him all season. They need to move on. And again, Nico should be better than this. Jamal Baker's supposed to be better than this. At this point in the season, this team has played together quite a bit. They should know what they're doing. They should have their style of play. And maybe to your point, there's too many guys who are focused on other things and not winning the damn game. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, how do you explain some of these issues? Like, you're going to have off shooting nights. I get that. When I say. They've shot 25%, 20% more than any team should. That gets true. But it happens where you just can't you can't hit a shot. We've all been there. You know, playing basketball, a good team, good players miss open shots. It happens. But consistently it's happened with this team, and they don't have another option. Like when that's when their shots aren't falling, they don't turn it up on defense or they don't get it down low to Zeke to try to get easy shot after easy shot. Like to your point, you've said it often, they take bad shots. Their shot selection is poor. And I don't, I don't know if that's coaching because like – you said they come out of the half looking pretty good. That would be coaching. So what happens in the middle portion of the half when the players have to take charge and do their thing? Another thing happens game, Kristen Coloco got ejected. Not ejected. He fouled out because of a technical foul that he should never have gotten. <laughs> you never do that to Coloco. I'm surprised that didn't inspire the team just to be amazing. Yeah, I think because uh, I, I think the whole team was just so like. Like, what the hell? Much like the fan base, like frustrated and just. The Christian Coloco hands in the air, like, <laughs> what what's going on? And then <laughs> it's like, well, you're gonna lose the game, I guess. And he was having a pretty good game, like pretty, Im- like he he makes an impact when he's out there. He doesn't. I think it was at this game he took a jumper and was like really being like, oh no, Coloco, don't don't do that, Coloco, no, not like, not, like, not this way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but th- when people say, and we can maybe spin it like this, is that 
the criticism right now, it's easy to pile on Sean Miller. And you've talked a few times, like maybe the, the heat's getting ratcheted up. Maybe like this is kind of like the beginning of the end. And it's possible. Like we've talked about the trajectory of the program is not going up right now. In fact, based on where they were three months ago, four months ago, they've probably gone down with this year's roster. There's talent lined up for next season. Got a couple of guys who are redshirting, Jordan Brown, James Akinjo. You have a good recruiting class coming that could be really good. I know there's a guy out there, one of the top players, who's considering strongly considering Arizona. So it's possible that they'll be back in this position again next year, at least with having that kind of a roster, a talented roster. But when you look at just this team's failings, it's hard not to look at the head coach and say, well, either you put together a bad roster or you haven't been able to coach up a good roster. Like last year, we gave him a pass because that team, like the recruiting wasn't good for reasons that he contributed to, but weren't necessarily entirely his fault. Mm -hmm. The year before when they had DeAndre Ayton, like this is similar to that season. When you have, granted, DeAndre Ayton is better than any single player on this year's Wildcats. But when you had a roster that on paper was loaded, and if not the best team in college basketball, should have been a top 15 team. And the whole season, you're waiting for them to be that team. When they show glimpses, that year's team did. And even got to the tournament, made, had me thinking they were going to make a run. And, of course, that run lasted all 40 minutes. <laughs> this team is similar. They've yep. lost way too many games for the talent they supposedly have on this roster. And you wonder if it's just a bad, a bad assembling of talent. Like, these guys aren't the right type of players. Well, you've got a point guard. You've got a power forward who's just happy to play hard. you got Josh Green, who's that not a 3 and D guy, but a hustler, a guy who plays defense. This was supposed to be the ideal roster. And it, for whatever reason, has not been. So I... <laughs> I'm in a weird space. Like, I'm not on this fire Sean Miller train at all. But if someone was to say, you know what, I think it's time to move on, I'm not going to argue with them. Where Sean Miller came out, he's like, you know what, I'm, I'm just tired of this. I need a change of scenery. I need to take a break from college basketball, you know, a season and off just to kind of clear his head and get past things. I would understand and not be like, oh, God, the program is doomed. But at the same time, it's like Miller's the one who collected all this supposedly amazing talent. I don't want to <laughs> lose that either. Does that yeah, make sense? I think I kind of went off in different no, yeah, directions it, it, from where it, I started or originally planned on going. It, I mean, it kind of feels a little bit like the athletic department and Sean Miller are like, let's stay together for the kids, <laughs> like the recruiting class. Because um, I think it's like, you know, to, to your point, and I agree that ultimately Sean Miller is the person who's accountable. He's the leader. It's He's, his program. It's his program. It's his players. It's his coaching. It's his uh, ability to get the best or not get the best out of those, that that roster that he's assembled, right? Um, you know, I, I do think he struggles. Like, look at look at the. I think your comparison to the Aiton team is right because our clearly best player is a post player, who we struggle to get the ball to for some reason. <laughs> uh, we have guys that, you know, seem to have the talent, but uh, seem to also be maybe a little bit soft. Raleigh Elkins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and maybe a little bit of me firstness too. Yeah, and so know. and people that are got that their eye towards their draft stock, which you know, I, I I can't help but wonder if a lot of the poor shot selection for Nico and other players is because they are trying to show the NBA, which is you know largely a jump shooters league now. Uh, you know that's changed from when it was twenty years ago, and it was a you know. The post when player, post players, true centers, uh, a lot of hand checks. The old, you know, the years of like the old bad boys, Pistons through the Jordan years. It was a f more physical game, mm -hmm. and that free flow and it's a generation of people that have been now watching, you know, in high school watching Steph Curry and and uh, Clay Thompson jacking threes. 
but they made them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I could go out there and take a bunch of jump shots to show off. There. Yes, I can shoot a jumper. If I can't make it, what, what good does that yeah. do? It, it makes me think of a video from like five years ago on Twitter that it was like a high school team where they kept missing threes and they kept offensive rebounding. They shot like 18 threes in a row before <laughs> the other team finally grabbed the rebound and ran and made a layup. Uh, but and, and it's possible, but then I wonder, because this wasn't a problem in the early Sean Miller days. They had He's had one and dones. He said guys who were here in Tucson for two years before going to pro, where you knew that these guys were going to go pro, and they won games. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what's missing? You know, and, mm-hmm. I, and I don't know if it's just, you could say it's the wrong mix of players, it's the wrong type of players, but everything we heard going into this season was this was the right mix of players. These were winners. These were guys, and you had a point guard who, I mean, really, Nico Manning, he's going to have to prove he can make a jumper and a three-point shot to have a chance in the NBA. But also teams would be drafting him to run their offense, to find guy, make you know get guys open looks and make plays. So him shooting, what three of nine and having five assists and five turnovers, that doesn't impress NBA scouts. Now the physical tools are still there, but the mentality needs to be. And I don't want to say he's playing just for his NBA future because that's I don't want to put that on anyone because I don't know what what's going on out there. Right? It's 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 easy to say. Oh, he dribbled it on the court, took a shot, missed it. Oh, he's he's looking for the NBA. He's trying to show off. When in reality, maybe that was the right play at the time. Maybe the coach is like, "Hey, you need to take a shot," which is rare for Miller to try to get guys looks because he should have got Dylan Smith more in that game. But still, there's something missing. I mean, or there's something wrong. Maybe it's not missing. There's something wrong with this team. And could it get fixed over the next couple weeks when it's tournament time? Yes, it's possible. But from what we've seen so far, this team is broken. It's getting a little late in the season to be figuring out if they're ready for the for the March oh, right, Madness tournament. Right. And I mean, well, to one point you said, I don't think there was ever a scenario um, where Nico Mannion jacking a three, th- four seconds into the possession is the right shot. Well, depending on where the defense is and where your rebounders are. But <sighs> if he makes it, people would go, right shot. It's, I get it. I, eh, I would still be the person that says bad shot that went in. Well, have you seen their offense, too, at times? They bogged down incredibly bad. I, yeah, I hear you. Um, <laughs> I just kind of fortunate because I said it, that really poorly. In, in hearing your whole your whole diatribe there, I just wanted to be like, can I just quote retweet all of uh, Saul's podcast with the interview with Corey <laughs> Williams because it was just like I think he nailed it, and I encourage you all to listen to it because it's like I think I don't hold it against guys for wanting to make the money. While you know it's all the draft, like AAU and draft is all on hype at this point and potential, and like the problem is I think these guys are. They're, they're getting maybe bad advice if they're if if they are jacking shots to try to appeal to the NBA scouts. Man, I you know I don't see how having five turnovers and shooting three of nine is gonna help raise your draft stock, right? It's hard to imagine that that would help. And like, you know, even even if even if Nico Mannion and Josh Green and all these guys are as talented as we think they are, and I I really do think they are legitimately very very talented i just don't know if they're i don't think they're the generational type talents that can be one and done and go in and no th- they're, they're not gonna play next year but it's if not they about get drafted. that and it never is when it comes to the nba they'll draft you based on your potential and if you're a player saying i could go get paid and only work on basketball as opposed to being a quote-unquote student athlete who's supposedly not getting paid to play <laughs> basketball. So it, it's not like – there's sometimes you say, you know, if a player's smart, they stick around. Well, Nick Johnson stuck around for three seasons, and he was, what, a second-round pick? Alonzo Trier went undrafted. So sticking around doesn't necessarily mean 
you're going to raise your draft. Sure. Score. So if you think you could be a first round pick, even if you're not ready and no, no one who's watched Arizona this year, other than Zeke and Coloco was born ready. But other than <laughs> Zeke, you're not going to say that guy's ready to play in the NBA. I don't but, does, but that doesn't mean Josh Green's not going to be a lottery pick. Doesn't mean Nico's not going to be a lottery pick. And if you can be, if you can be a first round pick, you have to go. Even if you're not ready, sure. you have to go. Honestly, I don't think any of them are physically ready for the NBA. I just, I, I think if even if they get first round pick, even if Nico sneaks into the lottery, I don't think he's going to play much. No, probably not. And I think his, I think Nico's best case scenario is to go to a very talented team where he can play spot minutes and not have to be the guy that's trying to create his own shot and just go to being a true point guard facilitator, which is not necessarily what he's been. He's been hit or miss, shall we say, this season yes. on that. Um, and just very inconsistent. Cause there's times when he's not, you know, when he's trying to focus on more facilitation, that's when the offense is going. Um, and when he's not, it's not. It's kind of that simple on the offensive side, in my mind. Um, and then... You know the the defensive question is 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 one for the ages of Arizona basketball teams. It seems like because I don't think Nico. I think his defense has been improved slightly, but that's from being really bad yeah. to being just not great. <laughs> um, so and even you say like Zeke Naji, I don't think he's physically ready to go to the NBA. But he's shown enough game and consistency. Yeah, or just a consistency is what well, I'm looking for, and I think that's I think that's the mental toughness. Um, I think he's going to go to the, the league and get bullied around by guys that have 40 pounds on him. Um, and it's you know I I I love Zeke. He got freshman of the year. I think the funny thing is he's the one that all the prognosticators are saying is the least likely to be drafted in the first round, that's which the is ceiling probably. Which, but Where you look at Nico and say, if he develops <laughs> like they think he can, he would be the superstar point guard. And if Josh Green, with his physical tools, develops, he'd be that shutdown defensive stopper, you know, plays the two, plays the three. And but if he can't hit a jump shot, well, yeah. If he can't hit a jump shot, he's never going to play. <laughs> True. You know, and that's, I don't know. I, I, I will maintain that if this was uh, the same Arizona roster 10, 20 years ago, and these guys stayed for one more year, they could just dominate the league when they're one more year of playing together, one more year of phys- like physical development, one more year of actually listening to the coach. Well, Nico allegedly <laughs> declared for the draft, but he didn't. Technically, not yet. Even though I think Miller, like two months ago, was like, "Yeah, we're losing Nico after this season." So, yeah, is <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I, yeah, that was one of those stories that was missed and retracted. That I'm sure is not. Really, that much of yeah. a miss? <laughs> uh, it's, I'm pretty sure it's un- understood. And the coaching staff has to have an idea of where these guys are going, right? Akinjo's not coming here if he doesn't think Nico's gone. Right, right, right. That would not be a good bet on his part if Akinjo came to Tucson and, that's and Nico stayed. But speaking of betting, oh, what a segue! Yeah, it's easy to do that when I just interrupt you and decide to make it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but championship week for college basketball has arrived, and it's time to score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. My bookie is the best place for you to cash in on all the on all the always exciting conference tournament games, every buzzer beater, and improbable upsets. So championship championship week, as you know, is where legends are made, and, and you don't want to be the one to miss out on the action. MyBookie.com offers live betting on every game, bracket challenges, national championship futures, and more. You can bet on almost anything, including the Democratic nomination, the presidential election, even the name of the next pope. Wow. That's if you really like betting on things. 
<laughs> so, but basically, my bookie caters to all players. Whether you research each matchup or fill out your bracket based on mascots, my bookie has something for you. Join now and start winning big today. So if you're sick of sick and tired of getting the run on when you ask for a payout after you win, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> well, good for you. Good news for you. My bookie pays fast when you win. They have decades of experience with great customer service and hassle-free transactions. So why would you bet anywhere else? Visit mybookie.ag and use promo code 12pack for a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code 12pack. Bet with the biggest, win with the best, only at mybookie. Great read, Adam. Oh, you like that? Yeah, that was solid. I got one more for you. Oh. Yeah, Brett, today's show is sponsored by The Athletic, which, as we all know, is a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. I subscribe. I know you subscribe. Yep. Great content. C.J. Holmes covers the Wildcats, does a really good job. He's doing a lot more football now, which I don't know if that's good, like happy for him or not, because like, basketball is supposed to be the good time. And, oh, boy, poor C.J. <laughs> Does he have eligibility left? He could probably play linebacker for us. <laughs> well, I know he played basketball. I don't know he's another guard. <laughs> so through in-depth coverage from local writers on every team, plus national writers you already know, like Jay Glazer, Mike Sando, and Mike Lombardi, the Athletic is setting a new standard for sports news. Um, what else can we say about the athletic, Brett? Like, I don't know who you, some of your favorite writers are on that site, but I, part of me has always been a baseball nerd. I love all the, the national baseball articles where they actually dive into things really, uh, yeah. t- they, they're, they're not afraid to get in depth and technical, but also tell really good human stories. So yeah. I thoroughly recommend it. Say so there's no ads, pop or clickbait, just great sports writing that tells a story behind the story, which we all watch the game. We know what the score was. I want to know why it happened like that. I want to know what the players, what the coaches actually think of it. That's what you get from The Athletic. You get exclusive player profiles, deep dives on analytics, team power rankings, and fantasy sports insights you won't find anywhere else. When you do sign up for The Athletic, you'll get a personalized feed of stories. So you'll see the stories about the teams that you care about and not of the ones that you don't. So, yeah, it's <laughs> it's really the perfect place for your sports reading. If you're a sports fan, you need to have The Athletic. And if you're ready to get started, go go get a 40% off a yearly subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash overtime. That's theathletic.com slash overtime for 40% off your yearly subscription to what is the best sports writing you're going to find on the Internet. Absolutely. So, anyway. Back-to-back great reads, Adam. Was it? I mean, you had one big um in there. Yeah, well, I, I lost my place in the read. Yeah, well, I, I got a little I sad. I can edit that out, too, though, if I really... I kind of had the conscious about it when you talked about your personalized feed. I did kind of get a hundred mile stare thinking about my Arizona sports articles and the in depth stories of why things are the way they are right now. (laughs) It made me sad. Yeah. So (laughs) why wouldn't it? (laughs) Good news is Arizona is still ranked uh, 14th in net. I'm shocked we went down. According to this site, they went up, but they might have just I don't know. They were 15th before. Now they're 14th. I I thought we were 10. Before the last no, it's net. Arizona is number 20 in Ken Palm. They're now 36th in adjusted offense. They're not the top 25, top 25 thing that made them even more appealing. They're the number five team in the Pac-12 bracket. They are facing Washington again, so that's fun. <laughs> is it? Like this, <laughs> this game means a little more than the last game they played against each other. It's this, the sad thing is, I feel like this is... To, to quote Yogi Berra, it's deja vu all over again because I feel like there's <laughs> only downside for this team for the next for this game and wh- if they win against Washington Wednesday, their game on Thursday be against USC, who they've also beaten. Like let's we can look at this bracket this way, right? Like Arizona, there's no reason to think they could be good in the Pac-12 tournament. Other than the fact that 
if you believe that their talent level is high enough to be good at any given game. They play Washington first on Wednesday. And again, being in the Wednesday game, that's no fun. But they play Washington Wednesday. They've, they've beaten Washington. If they play like they did the second half on Saturday, they'll beat Washington on Wednesday. Then they'd play USC, who they've beaten already and had a competitive game in L.A. without Josh Green or Max Hazard. If they beat USC, then they would play Oregon, most likely, who they should have beat twice this season. Like, if you want to talk yourself into them making a run in Vegas, you can do it. But I would advise against it. I mean, I could talk myself into Washington making a run with the NBA talent they have on their roster and True. how they've been playing. Like, it's not an insane notion. No, and there's no one, like, looking at Vegas. We don't need to break down the entire tournament because no one cares about the entire tournament. We only care about Arizona's portion of it. But you can make a case for most teams in the Pac-12 to make a run or lose their first game that they play. Oh, yeah. The, the, the plus side for Arizona is it's almost entirely on Pac-12 Network, so almost no one will pay attention <laughs> to it. <laughs> well, I know uh, Wednesday's game is 2.30 p.m. for us, so it's a nice day game. Day basketball. Gotta love it. <laughs> but when you, when you look at this, like Arizona won the Pac-12 tournament a couple years ago and has won it a few times under Sean Miller. Last year they lost to USC in the Wednesday game. Is it you were saying before? If you think that you you think if they lose to Washington on Wednesday, they're a bubble team. I disagree. I don't think they're going to be a bubble team if they lose this game. But they'll they'll be in the tournament. But you'll be like, well, they back their way in. Like you clearly wouldn't think they're playing good basketball. Whereas if they win a couple games in the tournament, maybe lose a close one to Oregon again, you'd be like, okay, well they they might have found something. They you know tournament time they're stepping it up. Of course it wouldn't matter because the next game is the only that matters for them, and the next game could be any number of things. But how big do you see this Pac-12 tournament being? Do you think it's bigger than normal for this program? That's a good question that I'm not sure exactly how I want to take tackle it because I can think of a c- I have a couple of I'm of a couple of minds about it. You know, I think if they lose Wednesday, I think we are seeing that that wheels fall off m- maybe a little bit, yeah. which is a little concerning. But then I'm also thinking we keep an- uh, analogizing to the DeAndre Ayton year. Uh, you know, they went on a tear during the Pac-12 tournament there, and yeah. we talked, was it last week or the week before, we talked about maybe they got that catharsis moment. Talked a little into that whole, it's going to be us against the world. A and little, and maybe yeah. we maybe they got that kind of mentality a little too early. Well, it, was fool's, it was fool's gold, is what it was. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so for a team that has struggled to find that consistency and that motivation, I, t- I certainly don't want them to lose to Washington again. I don't necessarily think they need to win. and imp- I can talk myself into, I almost don't want them to go have that cathartic moment during the Pac-12 <laughs> tournament because I still want them to have a chip on their shoulder going into the March Madness bracket. What, what do you think would give them that chip? What would put it there? Because if it hasn't happened with them being out of the top 25, with them losing all these close games, what would do it? I don't think it's a... I <sighs> man, y- I, I think if you knew the answer to that, you should email it to sean.miller at arizona.edu. But, but that's just, that's when, when I look at this tournament, it's like any other game we've seen up until the NCAA tournament. You want to see them play well in hopes that maybe it means they found something. right? If they can put together two straight good games, that'd be new for recent times. right? If they could put together four consecutive halves of good basketball to get to Oregon, that would be something. Because, I mean, Nico Manning had back-to-back his two best games as a Wildcat, UCLA and Washington State, and then it did not carry over to Washington. But maybe maybe I'll just even make it focus like this. If they come out against Washington showing that they learned from their last loss to them, 
They're making shots. They have a better read on that team. They carry over what happened in the second half into this game. That's maybe a sign of growth. I mean, it's just a sign of that FU attitude that you're hoping they, they start to bring. That's like, we're not losing to you guys again. But whatever it is, if we see that in Vegas, that doesn't mean just like two years ago, winning in Vegas or playing well in, dozen Ve- in Vegas does not mean you're set for the NCAA tournament. But it would give you maybe slightly more confidence that this team is capable. Yeah. I, I think I would like to see them win at least two games this week. I don't necessarily need them to win the whole thing. Um, just for those reasons I'm saying. And, I, of course, I would love for them to beat Oregon just to get that monkey off their back. But it, then my fear is, is that that cathartic moment. Then they're yeah. like, all right, now we've established ourselves. And now we're going to go roll into, into March. And well, Maybe, though, because they, if they're going to win the Pac-12 tournament, they're going to have to win four games in four days. That's tough. I, I don't think that's it's, likely. It can be done. Teams have done it, but it's tough. Yeah. And it would show something. And that's... That's where maybe this team, because two years ago when they had Aiton, they were the most talented team in the conference. We all knew that. They won the Pac-12 yeah. that year, even as average as they seem to be at times. So it wasn't a shock that they won the Pac-12 tournament. This team is fifth. Now, granted, they're not – if you want to tell me they're worse than ASU, I'm going to be like, not really. Are they worse than USC? Not really. And Oregon, they should have beat twice. Like Every team that's ahead of them is a team that Arizona either beat comfortably at some point this season or should have beat in Oregon's case. So they're not, they're not head and shoulders talent more talented than everyone else, but they should be at least talented enough to beat pretty much everyone that's in the field. So if they go in there and make that run or lose a heartbreaker on Friday, for instance, another close game against Oregon, only this one where it wasn't Arizona choking it away at the end, just a hard-fought good basketball game, that would say something to me. Playing well three nights, like three times in a row, three yeah. three games in three days. Because that would show a bit of a toughness, a bit of an edge that they haven't shown. Again, we shouldn't be waiting to see that edge in the Pac-12 tournament for the first time all season. Like it, it sh- if, if it hasn't happened by now, it probably is not going to happen. But if by some miracle that light switch did get flipped this week, that would be nice to see. And it, that's where this could mean something. Yeah. And I, I, I agree. Um, it's, it's such a weird... It's, it's just a, been a weird season. It's been a weird season for the Wildcats. It's been a weird season for the Pac-12. And I don't even – I think Oregon's the only good team in the Pac-12, and I honestly don't even think they're that good. They're they the just have consistent team. Because they have a senior point guard that is tough as nails and has made himself into a really good player. Yes. And he's not – he's far from the most athletic player on the on the court ever. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's basically like – he reminds me of Aaron Kraft when he was with Ohio State. If Aaron Kraft was actually a good basketball player, say because <laughs> Pritchard can shoot. Yeah, because Aaron Kraft couldn't shoot the ball to Kraft save his getting life. Shut down by Arizona that year was one of the most fun things. It was like TJ and I think was it Nick Johnson on that team or was that no that was the next year. It was TJ and Rondé I think. Yeah, shut him down. But Peyton Pritchard is Aaron Kraft with the ability to shoot very well. Yes, right. And that's a in in college basketball that is a super valuable player. You know, and <laughs> and they're really well coached. Altman is arguably the best coach in the conference. Yeah, so I don't know. I I think if they get out of this week winning two or three games, I'm going to call that. You know, <laughs> maybe we're down to the uh, to the point where we have moral victories. Like I said, a team this talented shouldn't have moral victories, but maybe they need something like that. Uh, I actually get nervous if they go and and win the whole tournament that they're going to have a letdown because they think. That they're they've arrived. I really I, do. I I I, I, c- I don't see them winning the whole thing as any negative, just because 
they can't they, they shouldn't be able to do it. And then it just what it would take to win the whole thing. I don't know if they win the pack and say, ah, season's a success now. Maybe it just gives them like, you know what? We can do this. You know, if we can win four day four games in four days, beating Washington, who just beat them on their home floor, beating USC, who two weeks ago beat them in L.A., beating Oregon, who beat them twice, and I don't know who they would play in the finals, Colorado, ASU, someone, like, and beating them, that would, so, that would show something. That would yeah. be – it wouldn't validate their season. It wouldn't validate what these guys have done because they've tremendously underachieved. But it would be something positive and new. I mean, if they go through, beat Washington, beat USC, beat Oregon, and then beat ASU for the Pac-12 title, of course, as a fan, I'm going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if that puts them in a better spot for the following well, seeding, week's game. It would probably I mean, give them better seeding. Does it, re- like, up? maybe they're a six seed? But but <laughs> how many people, and we that's we could see the rankings every every week this season, pretty much, when they would win one game, they'd get back into the top 25. Most people, most they believe in them. I say what you will about them. I imagine most national people look at Sean Miller as a pretty good coach. Yeah. And they look at this roster as a pretty talented roster. So if Arizona could show four, again, four wins and four nights against some pretty good teams and teams that have beaten them, maybe that would be a sign that, you know what, they are as good as people thought. Because that would put them at, what, 24 wins in the season? Mm-hmm. That's not a bad number to go into the tournament with. Now, how they got there would be like, come on, really? But... <laughs> 24 isn't a bad number. Whether that's a 6 seed as opposed to a 9 seed or an 8 seed, still, it would mean something there. But again, yeah. I don't expect it to happen. But if it did, I don't see any drawback to it. I think I think it would depend on the manner in which they looked as a team to do that. Well, too. I promise you, if they win the whole thing, they probably looked pretty good. I Fair. <laughs> but I mean, like, is it just because... Nico got hot against Oregon and hit eight threes and still had seven turnovers. You know, like I, I don't know. I'm maybe I'm just being a, a negative Nancy. I just I don't blame you. I, 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 I haven't seen enough from this team to have faith in their consistency. No, of course um, not. <laughs> and yeah, and therefore, <laughs> like I want them. T- I, not to Peyton Pritchard fanboy, but like before he destroyed our team for what thirty eight points. That guy was you know not being like a hype man before the game he was quietly determined and focused and i think you know if if you're watching on the tv you can see that he was just like you know i got fouled out and scored three points against asu i'm not going out here to try to like you know flex on people i'm just gonna go out and win the damn game yeah i think we could use a little bit of that that business-like approach to eviscerating your opponents and not trying to be about about hype or about showing what you can do it's just about winning the damn game and if I'm Sean Miller, I say, you want to know the best way to improve your draft draft stock? We play together as a team and play a lot longer into March for a yeah, lot more you get eyeballs. get to Elite Eight with Nico Manning leading the way or Josh Green playing really hard-nosed defense or Coloco just dominating everyone, as he would if he doesn't get fouled out by incompetent referees, then, yes, their draft stock. But they have to know that. <laughs> like, we, we say we talk like that. Do and they, I'm not, I'm not do they to, have to know that, though? Like, I'm not trying to like, call you out here, but – Nico Mannion has to know that his draft stock improves the better he plays and the more this team wins. The thing is, they don't know how to do it. Maybe not necessarily play better, because he's played better at times, but this team, for whatever reason, has not found the right form. We thought it was putting Stone Gettings in the starting lineup. That seemed like a good formula for them. Well, that was short-lived, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's I like, mean, I don't know what their formula is. These, these hyped guys, though, have so many people in their ears for so many years t- yeah, t- telling them I how... like. It's a good time to actually listen to your coach, and I'm not sure that they always do. 
I, I saw I, that seems to me like such a uh, it's not an excuse, but it's almost like a cop to say, well, the reason they've been struggling is because they're not listening to the coach. Well, if that's the case, I feel like we'd hear different stories too. And again, the coach recruited these guys, and by all accounts, before they got to Tucson, they were good team players. They were leaders. They were winners. So they get to Tucson to decide, oh, I'm done with take, you know, taking the coaching. It's all on. No, I don't, I don't think that's true. I think they've played mostly bad, and their confidence has been shot in a lot of ways. And Nico's confidence gets there when he's making shots. Like If he doesn't make his threes, he doesn't make jumpers and those little floaters, his confidence, his entire game is just gone. Right? Josh Green makes it a couple threes to start the game. And then he becomes, he becomes aggressive, and his confidence is there. And Zeke's always confident. Even when he's playing poorly, he's always playing hard. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think it's a matter of that, but I do think that this is a team that's just, I don't know, like, like I said, I don't expect them to win the Pac-12 tournament. There's nothing that's happened that would make me think that they are capable of winning, playing well four nights, like four games in a row. Nothing has happened that would make me think. That. But if you want to believe that this is a talented team that maybe will flip that switch or will start taking to coaching or decide, you know what? Maybe our draft stock does improve if we win games. I'm going to start doing the things that help us win games. Then, yeah, then it's possible because this isn't a non-talented roster. Like It's going to no. be a team that they're going to be an eight seed, a nine seed, whatever they are, that no one's going to, like, some one seed's going to have to play them in the second round and be really upset about that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we maybe said it before. This team is a Rorschach test for whatever you want to believe you can convince yourself of, right? Yeah. And it's funny, you, you kind of had a filler word there mid-sentence where you're like, this team is, I don't know. And then pausing went on with your sentence. I think you could have just hit period right there. Yeah, this because, team is. Because we, you know, and I think that's what we said like a month ago. It's like, if you don't know what this team is now, I think you know who this team is, which is to say they are just inconsistent. So to it is a fool's errand to have any expectations good or bad with this team because whatever your expectation is they'll probably prove you wrong then prove you right then prove you wrong again all within the same game <laughs> all right there's one thing you've talked to me about off the air that i want to get into and that's sean miller's status because of this postseason before we get into that though let's take a quick break It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, Brett, you alluded to it earlier that just how big these games are. You said before that you thought if Arizona loses to Washington, they're a bubble team. And I disagree with you. Hopefully we don't have to find out. Right. But that has nothing to do with – let's just say for the sake of argument that they do lose to Washington and they still make the tournament. They're a nine seed. Then they go into March Madness and lose in the first weekend. Maybe they win their first game and lose their second game, especially if they're a lower seed. There's a decent chance their second game would be against a team that's good quite good there's a lot of people who are looking at Arizona right now and pointing the finger squarely at the head coach and you can do that this is his roster either he recruited a bad roster again or he's failing to coach up a good roster again is this is this postseason different from others in that the pressure isn't they're like oh man this is a final four caliber team let's get there but it's is the pressure such where if Arizona 
falters early again, the coach may not be the coach next season. I said last week that my hot take was if they lost one of these games, it doesn't necessarily mean he's gone, but it makes but they, that And they lost one of those games. And it makes the seat get warmer, and I think that's true. I think the athletic department is waiting for whatever notice of allegations is going to drop. Like, something is going to come. It's yeah. It's really, you know, there's going to be some type of penalty. Uh, you know, but we have no idea what the range of that is. If in a vacuum, I don't think this would mean Sean Miller is 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 done, and I don't you know to to your point earlier, it's not like Sean Miller forgot how to be a good coach. Roy Williams at North Carolina, They're having a bad year, is not suddenly a horrible leader of men and a horrible basketball coach. That guy has a long track record, right? But they're having, <laughs> hey, it could it could always be worse, Arizona fans. <laughs> but what does misery love? Company. <laughs> um, Roy Williams at least has Final Fours and national championships on his resume. Well, so you know, he gets a little bit more of a buffer. I feel like a little more breathing room in situations yeah. like well, this. Yeah. Well, that's that's where we say if one of those years where we lost in the Elite Eight, if Sean Miller had a Final Four, I think there's not nearly as much of that pressure but built up. Um, I I do think that there is just this trudging through and this buildup of pressure and this angst that at some point you need to have some more positivity around this program, or it. I could see a scenario where it just is a both sides mutually air quote agree to be like you know what it's just not we're just ready to move on you talked about the building of pressure and there was pressure early on when especially the mcconnell years because like these teams can win a national championship it's a different kind of pressure right now and there's only there's two ways to alleviate it one is to make a final four win a national championship that'll alleviate it two is to change your path you know move on from miller and i don't know it, there's two ways to look at Miller because you could say, well, he's underachieved. And early on in his tenure, his first half of his tenure was great. He had that reputation for never losing to a lower seed in the tournament. He overachieved. The first year against Wisconsin, but that was one and two, and you were missing your power forward. It always felt like during the first half, at least up, up until the Aiton year, because even the Larry Marketing year the year before, that this team was on the precipice. It's like, you know what? They haven't made the final. They haven't got there, but they are right there. And if they continue to be there every single year, Sooner or later, they're going to get the right matchup, the right bounce. They're going to break through, make a Final Four, win a national championship. For Sean Miller, it wasn't a matter if it was a matter of when. Right. It doesn't feel that way right now. And the recruiting classes are still strong. I forget where this one ended up being ranked. I know it was top five, if not, like, top three. It was up there, yeah. Next year's is projected to be pretty good. The roster has some talent, especially some of the transfers that are coming in. It could be. It doesn't seem as talented as this year's roster, but this year's roster may not be as talented as we thought, so who knows? Maybe all our talent evaluation is just wonky as hell. But just that vibe around the program right now, you said it's like trudging through this, and it is. This is another season, just like two years ago, it was just, oh, let's just get to the end of it. Two years ago, the end of the next season was last season, which wasn't very good. But the last season was like, okay, let's just get to next season. Well, that next season is this season, and this season hasn't been very good. So I don't know that pressure. The only way to alleviate it really, unless if Miller's going to be the coach, is to win. Yeah, I and the question is, can he get them to that level again? And whereas I've always been a big believer in his ability, because if you can recruit the right talent, if you're always recruiting at high levels, sooner or later, it should work out and become something special. Sure, but it hasn't happened in a while. The last four years, five years have been underachieving. Ever since the McConnell years, actually, every team that's lost in the tournament has been un they've lost to a lower seed. <laughs> like that should not be happening. And 
maybe it started with the, the Xavier loss, where it's like, hey, you're a two seed with a surprisingly good freshman class, and you collapsed against Xavier in the uh, Sweet 16. They might have lost to Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. They probably would have. Yeah. But at least it would have been like, well, you got there, and you lost to the higher seed. You lost the number one seed. But no, they lost to Xavier. And then the next year, they lost to Buffalo. Yeah. And then this year, they're going to lose to We'll See. But just it's all just we'll see university. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear they have a good. I was trying to think of a random sport and I couldn't think of it. I drew a blank. You miss all the shots you don't have to take. <laughs> <laughs> but but you get what I'm saying is that just the vibe around this program, it's not positive anymore. So maybe, especially if this team loses in the first weekend, the answer is to mutually part ways for both sides at Arizona. But I know it could be tough for Arizona because they don't know what's going to happen. What coach do they get? Is it? Is it Jack Murphy in the interim? Just we know something's going to happen. Please guide us through this, and then when we're through it, we'll go get a real coach. No offense, but like that's what the feeling would be, right? Ouch! No, like I, I like Jack Murphy. Murphy. No, I like Jack Murphy. He's a good assistant, but he's not the type of guy who should be Arizona's head coach right. on a long-term basis. Kind of like Russ Pennell was never Arizona's future head coach, right? So that's how but otherwise, what what top coach comes to Arizona with the possibility of sanctions hurting them early on? But so maybe that's what Arizona's doing is just they're holding on to Miller because it's like, yeah, who else are we going to get? That's possible. But at the same time, you could argue that holding on to Miller isn't the worst strategy because he's still recruiting at a high level. Well, and the, the, the flip side of that, I think he has, what, two years left on his – two, three years left on his contract? Yeah, and they haven't renewed it and kept it at the five-year thing. And it's, you know, at some point, that's actually going to become just as much of a factor. And – I wouldn't. It wouldn't actually surprise me if the NCA and how they kind of operate were just like knowing that that's the case because it's you know you can't recruit if you only have one year left on your contract. No, you just you either can't. Have, if you're gonna have one year left, you leave. You get fired. And <laughs> maybe I'm cynical, but I don't put it past the NCAA to delay dropping a notice of allegations until they wait for a renewal of the contract, just to be <laughs> a way of penalizing in a in a non-official way. Um, because I, I actually kind of think that's how they operate, um, which is very cynical, but there's plenty of evidence that I feel like there's oh been yeah. out there that is like they're, they, they are, you know, would not put it past them, uh, you know, them and FIFA would probably get along well in terms of <laughs> how they <laughs> operate as an organization. Um, so, you know, at some point it's th- the university and Miller are going to have to have their hands forced. Yeah. And I think to your point. The the only way out of this right now, from for Sean Miller's perspective, is you gotta you gotta win and you gotta win soon, because you know let's play this out and have a thought experiment. Let's say they make an elite eight, they don't make the final four, but they they play really well, they make an elite eight, and then they lose. Then the notice of allegations comes, and it's not super bad. Couple scholarships or like a scholarship yeah. and s- probation, you know. W- w- do you, because you made the elite eight, does that and you have a decent class coming in? Does that mean you keep him? Yes, or it absolutely would. I mean, because now all of a sudden your program is, in, it appeared by all appearances, moving up again. But if, but if you lose in round two and the same exact scenario happens, I guess round two would still be an improvement over a couple of years ago. But yeah, but but, but that's <laughs> trending that's the in the right direction. <laughs> but that, that's the point. Like when when all the stuff with the FBI and all that went down, and there was all the reports and everything, none of it was proven to tie them directly to Mill. I'm not saying he's clean. But just from what we know, it was a lot easier to say, you know what, we're going to stick with him because of the recruiting class, because he had been winning games. Even that season, they still had DeAndre Ayton. They had Alonzo Trier. They had a team that 
had potential to be excellent, to make that Final Four run. So, of course, it made sense to keep him. Yep. And after that season, the next year, the recruiting class was just destroyed by all the reports and everything. And I, I mean, said it before. I've ESPN said he was fired on right. the air and never apologized for it. It's like those things all happened, so it was you, we gave him a pass. But if he hadn't been able to recover with what was supposedly his great recruiting class this season, it would have been a lot easier to part with him and say, you know what, Sean, we don't, we're not doing this because we think you cheated. We're doing this because just your brand is toxic. And yep. the longer you're here, this dark cloud is never going to go anywhere. But he rebounded with a really good recruiting class on yep. paper, a really good recruiting class. So it's like, okay, well, he's still fine. He's still the same coach he was a few years ago when we were going to Elite Eights. So why not keep him? But if that doesn't happen to be the case anymore, if they continue to lose in the first weekend and underachieve, it makes it a lot easier to say, you know what, Sean, we appreciate what you've done. You've been great for recruiting. You've kept Arizona basketball afloat greatly after what happened with Lute Olson. But it's time, you know, it's time we go our separate ways. That's very possible. Yeah, I mean, the the deciding factor, if not the fans in general, it's the fans that have the purse. Oh yeah, it's the donors. Uh, and you know, if you if you believe kind of the the boards and the the insider info that there's several you know boosters that have his back and. You know, if th- I guess that's where I'm saying if they lose, like, let's say they lose at Washington and they make tournament lose in the first round. I don't, I don't know if those boosters trust even trust Dave Hickey to quietly like do a straw poll and quietly put feelers out. And I could see that. Why? Why would you think that? Because the last time Hickey might have done that, it was kept under wraps. No yeah. one has ever thought that he was looking to replace a coach. Exactly. But also, to your point, the, the donors who have his back, at what point do they say enough is enough? It like, maybe they like some other person. Like, he probably yeah. schmoozes with the best of them when it comes to the donors because he has that support, because he's won so much. But there has to be a breaking point for them, too, right? There has yeah, to be. Yeah, and I mean, it, there's there's part of me that kind of believes that there's a little bit of a schism at the athletic department, and there were some, some of those stories that came out that were, like, non-stories or that got, like, Mark Phelps uh, pushed out that were, like, Let's say mishandled at best, and maybe semi deliberately by somebody leaked inside. Yeah. Or I know that's know, been one of the rumors that. And knowing how dumb college sports tend to run, <laughs> I don't know whether I should bet on incompetence or cynicism. Um, it's probably a blend of both. My bookie probably has both as options for you. <laughs> Always bet on cynicism. <laughs> um, you know, so. <laughs> I think you're right in that the only thing that cures what ails us is is winning, and I don't think that means he needs to make a Final Four. But I think he need like Sean Miller needs this team to not underperform the rest of the way. He needs to show people, and maybe when I say he needs to show, like not to say me, because I I don't think he's forgotten how to coach. Right. But it would greatly help him to show people that he can maximize the talent he has, or at least get them to buy in and make that run. Because yes, another season of underachievement is another stain on his record. And the more like and then you start to see the trend, right? Because when they lost to what, Wichita State with Ryan Anderson and freshman Alonzo Tree, it's like, okay, well you just lost basically the core of a roster that went to back to back elite eights. Yeah. You're allowed to have that down here. You still made the term you still won twenty something games. Fine. You and that team I think won like twenty five games. <laughs> Only twenty five. I love no, no I, I think I think they won twenty five games. Yeah. I'm saying at least, yeah. And like this year's team's not gonna get there probably. Yeah. So that that was understandable, and of course, the next season 
was the year with Markkinen, and that team was just good. It was really good, but it underachieved in the tournament that it lost one round earlier than it should have in a game that it blew. Absolutely fell apart and blew that game. And ever since then, it's just been underachieving after underachieving. Even, again, the eight in year, I, don't, I forget what the final record was, but they were not dominant during the regular season. They lost no. that Bahamas tournament. They were awful. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, so they, it just that faith that Miller's maximizing what he has is probably, if it's not gone for most people, it's certainly on life support. So a deep tournament run would give the impression that, one, he didn't lose the team, and two, he's able to get the most out of it. So and you're right, it doesn't have to be a Final Four. That would be nice. But just to see that positiveness, that, that getting back to Arizona being a tough out and being a team that can be dominant, can be that good, because we haven't seen that. We haven't seen a tough – remember the first nastiness is required? We haven't seen that from Arizona in years. Yeah, well, we don't have particularly tough players on our roster. <laughs> right, so and that, that could be the problem, one of the problems with this roster, with the program. But I guess the question then becomes, to kind of wrap up this topic, is how do, the, how do they get there? Can they get back to that level with Sean Miller as the coach? Because it's been his program for a long time now. If he's not recruiting the players he needs, that's on him. That's sure. not on anyone else. And do you – I'm not saying Arizona basketball is a mess, but if you believe they are, do you let the guy or do you trust the guy who created that mess to clean it up? I mean, we're doing that with football. <laughs> <laughs> to the extent that we'll see how long that experiment yeah. continues. But it'd be obviously firing someone would be a lot easier than firing Sean Miller based on what they've accomplished at their schools. Yeah. And the money and all that stuff involved. But that that's the point. Like, I'm not saying Arizona basketball program is a mess. Like This team, this year's team, seems broken in ways. But the program itself, it's been better. But it's also been plenty worse. Yeah. But it's some other guy to get you back, get the program back to where it's supposed to be, where we think it should be. We need to see proof that he can and he should be. Yeah. And this postseason, maybe not the Pac-12 tournament, but this postseason – is his next chance to do that. It may not be, I don't necessarily think it's his last chance, but it's his next chance, and he's going to be running out of chances soon if things don't turn around. Yeah, and I think Sean Miller, like the players, need to take the cliche approach of you need to beat the team that's in front of you, not thinking about you know the team that's the game beyond that. Because you know, right now, they just, they, they're not good enough to just show up and beat people. You know, They have that capability. I think Sean Miller's his struggles are somewhat emblematic of, as we've talked about before, the Blue Bloods just, they're not as dominant by the nature of the system now. You know, there's a lot more parity in college basketball. And yeah, we've had, you know, we, we haven't exactly led the world in good luck the last several years, but, you know. Good someone argue you make your luck, right? Yeah, and good, you know, <laughs> good luck is where preparedness meets opportunity, right? Is that a wooden quote? I I don't know. Maybe it was on a fortune cookie. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> or it's or it's something that uh, Bill Walton barked into the sky after taking a spoonful <laughs> of peanut butter. You know. And so there's th- there's we don't know. And th- we're we're a one final four run away from everybody saying, oh yeah, we knew all along. From he was singing the Lego song. You know everything. Yeah, everything is awesome. Hopefully it's not trademarked. <laughs> Um, Wildcat Radio 2.0 being sued by, well, it's not Disney, I don't think, that owns Legos. I don't know. Either way, we probably don't have enough uh, deep enough pockets to make it worthwhile. No, so lay off, Lego. <laughs> we got nothing for you. So, you know, we'll, th- we'll see how it goes. Um, 
I, the, it's one of those things where it's a result b- results-based in- industry, and the only way to dig out of this right now is to win. And the problem is they're, what, a 500 team since starting the season 9-0? and Yeah. And, you know, at this point, I would like them to finish uh, with, since starting at 9-0, I, I would like them to finish with an above 500 record before the season <laughs> ends <laughs> in terms of the remaining remaining games, which I don't think is an unrealistic goal. Maybe it's well above 500. You know, the only, the only loss that really matters is the last one, and you hope that's as late as possible in the season. Yeah, the last one won't be this week. We know that as Arizona goes to play in the Pectoral Tournament. The first game is Wednesday in Las Vegas against Washington after that. If there isn't after that, we'll have to see. Well, it would be USC. But then after that, we'll just have to see if there isn't after that. And then, of course, Selection Sunday, which Arizona is most likely to be a part of. Yeah. Like I think one of the projections had them down to like an 88% chance of making the tournament. So, yes, if they lose on Wednesday, it opens themselves up to be where if there's enough upsets around college basketball, maybe Arizona needing an at-large bid gets pushed out. I don't think it'll happen. <laughs> but... Well, Obviously, winning a game or two would help your cause. The cynic in me tells me that Arizona, which travels very well to the tournament, means they will get in because the NCAA loves money. So there is that. So next week's show, we'll be talking about whatever happened in Vegas, but also what lies ahead for the Wildcats in the postseason. Hopefully, we're talking about good things because it's been a while since we've had a just genuinely happy show, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> You know, coronavirus is bringing us down, too. It's just it's just a rough time. It is, but thank you for listening. And until next week, bear down. Bear down.